0: Well, this morning I get to continue uh, with the series that we kicked off last Sunday, the series that we entitled The Jesus Way. As we are walking through the book of Mark, uh, chapters 8 through 16 from now until Easter, and we're going to be walking through and looking at the life of Jesus. It's the gospel of Mark, talks all about the life of Jesus. And as we look at Jesus, there's a big so what that I have for this entire series, right? And this is the big so what. Spiritual maturity looks like Jesus, I think you guys show up here on a weekly basis because if you're going to say you're going to have a spiritual part of your life, my guess is you don't want to be a spiritual baby. You'd like to grow up. Let's have a little maturity here as, as a spiritual being. I think that's a good pursuit for every single one of us. The problem is that we look at maturity in the wrong way sometimes because we look at everybody around us and compare ourselves to them. And we're like, well, compared to them, I'm doing pretty good. Compared to them, I'm doing pretty good. The challenge is not to look at one another. It's to look at Christ. And to say, God, how do I look like you? Am I living like you? Do I talk like you? Do I value the things that you value? That's the challenge for us. And I pray that that would be the, the call of us throughout this series. Now, the message that I've got for you this morning is called three questions. Three questions. And two of those questions are probably two of the most important questions anyone could ever ask in their life. And I think God's going to challenge us with this. If you've got your Bible, start with me to Mark chapter 8. Mark chapter 8, beginning in verse number 27, all right? As you're turning there, just a reminder, we're in our Bible reading plan. We're reading through the New Testament. No excuse to, to not read through the New Testament. Three minutes a day, you can join us uh, this year. And so go to our website, teacher.org, click on the reading plan on the top of our homepage. Lots of information about that. There's over 200 people that have already joined one of the U-version reading plans. So I'd encourage you to take the step to do that this week, all right? Would you stand with me? So we're going to read our text here this morning. Just three, four verses here for you. Mark 8, 27 says this. Jesus and his disciples went on to the villages around Caesarea Philippi. On the way he asked them, who do people say I am? They replied, some say John the Baptist, others say Elijah, and still others, one of the prophets. But what about you, he asked. Who do you say I am? Peter answered, you are the Messiah. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for your work. We thank you that you want to speak to us today. So God, I pray that this message that's probably going to meddle with us a little bit, Lord, I pray that your Holy Spirit would have free reign to speak, and God, that we would have hearts that are responsive to you. I pray that in Jesus' name, everybody said, Amen. Amen. You can be seated. All right, honesty moment right now. How many of you out there, show of hands, how many of you out there love cats? Raise your hand if you love cats. Okay, there's a handful of you. Everyone paying attention. Okay, that's great. All right, all right. Honesty moment. How many of you out there would say you hate cats? Anybody out there? Okay. Okay, that's fine. It's fine. I don't think people are indifferent on cats. You either love cats or you hate cats. That's just how it is. Some of you own cats and you hate cats. That's fine. Okay, that's fine. There's a third category out there, though. A third category. How many of you like me? You're just allergic to cats. How many out there are allergic to cats? Okay, some of you out there. Okay, that's me. I don't even know if I like or hate cats. I'm just allergic. And, you know, when I see a cat and I'm around it, it's just like, you know, it's the eyes, it's the gross, it's all the disgusting stuff. This happened to me a couple of of years ago. Uh, I was in a group in college and we would travel around, it was a music group and we would travel around and go from place to place and church church and do stuff, whatever. And we had to stay in host homes a lot of the time. Uh, which is super exciting, because you never know what you're gonna get. Sometimes you'd stay at like really nice houses and sometimes you'd stay in a dump and it just didn't matter. You just stay wherever they gave it to you. So we go to this church and, and we're there for the entire weekend, and they're like, hey, we got a host home for you. We're like, yay, a host home, okay. And and they're like, but don't worry, it's an amazing house. And we're like, okay, so we're getting a little excited. They're like, it's this great house. This family's been gone for several weeks. They're actually gonna be gone for a few months, and so you guys get the house to yourselves for the whole weekend, we're like, this is gonna be great. We pull into the subdivision and it's unbelievable. They weren't joking. It was these custom modern homes, super cool looking. We're like, this is gonna be great, right? We pull in, we pull up to the house. We're like, this is gorgeous. This is gonna be great. We walk in, I open the front door and I see right to the back, you know, the, the window and the sun shining in. And I'm like, oh no, because I can just see cat dander floating through the air. <laughs> I'm like, this is gross. And all of a sudden I hear, you know, and three cats come out, you know. And this, these people had not been in the house for weeks. It actually had been a month and a half since they had been there. And they didn't have anybody staying there. They just had someone come like once a week just to make sure they had water and food. So the carpet is covered in hair. There's dander everywhere. There's a little poopsies here and there and everywhere. And it's horrible. And I walk in and immediately it's this going on, you know. And two other members in our band are the same thing. And we're both saying, We ain't staying in this house. <laughs> like, I'm not doing this. Like, I can't stay in the house. This is going to be a disaster all week long. We're like, do we stay in the van? What do we do? So we walked in the garage, and we're like, is there anything? Should we sleep in the garage? And we found a tent. (laughs) And the neighbors were not happy with us the rest of the week because they didn't have a backyard. But we proceeded to pitch a tent in the front yard of this house for the entire weekend, sleep in the tent. Because we said, I'm not staying in the house. It's disgusting. It's gross. It's a disaster. Okay. I know, I'm finicky, that's fine. <laughs> this is how the disciples probably felt when Jesus brought them to this conversation. You're like, they brought him to Caesarea Philippi, what in the world does that mean? Well, going there was disgusting, it was gross. Well, something they wouldn't want to be a part of. See, Caesarea Philippi was a Greco-Roman city. It wasn't just any old city. It was a city that was very similar to like Vegas or going on a red light district in some city in our world. It was, it was gross. You see, the city, uh, one of their gods was the god Pan. That was their fertility god. Maybe you've ever seen a picture of this god before. It's like half goat, half man. This was their god. And, and to worship their fertility god Pan... They were engaged in some pretty disgusting stuff. They would engage in large amounts of sexual immorality. They were involved in prostitution, and specifically, they were involved in bestiality with goats. Okay, disgusting. This is not a place that a bunch of Jews would want to go hang out. This is a place they avoid. Like, I don't want any part of this place. It's gross. It's disgusting. And yet, this is precisely where Jesus brings the disciples to have this conversation. And before we even get to the conversation, I just think this speaks something to us, because we have to understand that where he's having the conversation should remind us of a truth. I say this all the time. Listen, Jesus doesn't avoid the dirty. He doesn't avoid the messy, He doesn't avoid the broken. You know, we can have a pristine view of Jesus. How many you ever seen this painting of Jesus? I mean, you you ever seen this painting? I call this pretty Jesus. This is pretty Jesus. <laughs> Didn't look like pretty Jesus? He's so nice there. First off, Jesus was Middle Eastern, so I don't think he looked quite that white. And his clothing and his hair probably weren't that pretty because they didn't have suave and they didn't have washers and dryers back there either. Okay, that's fine. That's a great painting. That's fine. But here's the deal, so we get this picture, oh, that Jesus is all just, it's clean and orderly. Beyond that, the fact is Jesus wasn't just clean and orderly, because again, this is you know a long time ago, he probably didn't smell great all the time, but Jesus constantly went to the places that the religious leaders never wanted him to go. He constantly went to the dirty. He went to the broken. He went to the outsider. He went to the places that you and I would probably say, I don't even want to go there, but that's where Jesus went, which should be a reminder to us because I know on a weekly basis, we have people walk in the door who are carrying heavy things, and I know that inside you're just asking, oh, does God even want to deal with me right now? Would God even enter into the mess that I've got going on? The answer is a resounding yes. That's why he came. He came to meet you where you are, and you may feel, I don't feel like I just, You're right. You don't deserve it. But it doesn't matter because the good news of the gospel is he comes anyway. He pursues you anyways. That's who our God is, okay? We have to be reminded of that constantly. But Jesus has this conversation with his disciples, and he asks them two questions. And I think they're questions we have to look at today. The first question he asks is this, who do people say I am? Who do people say I am? He's asking a very vague question. It's very impersonal to start with. Right? He's basically asking, "What's the word on the street? What are people saying about me these days, guys?" And uh, up until this point, Jesus had not been completely clear or overtly proclaimed his divinity to his followers. They've had conversations, but uh, but the the disciples, uh, you know, are are responding to him, and they're like, "Well, some people say you're a you're John the Baptist. Some people say you're Elijah. Some people say you're a prophet." There's all these different perspectives out there of who people are saying you are. I think this is a question that we could ask ourselves of today. We could still ask the question, who do people say Jesus is? There's a lot of perspectives out there. I I saw a a Barna study. uh, that They uh, researched people in America and their views of who Jesus is. 8% of people in America, they view Jesus as a legend. They just don't even think he was a real character. Now, historians would disagree with that, but that's still a perspective. Some people would say, oh, it's just a fairy tale, nothing real. Still, the majority of people, 92%, believe that Jesus is a real person. And they say that 56% of America believe this, that Jesus is the Son of God, that there is an element of divinity. People may not fully understand what that is, but there's still a lot of people in America that believe that's who he is. That's what a lot of people say. There's another perspective that's out there, and that's that, that Jesus is a good teacher. He's a good teacher. He taught a lot of good principles, got a a lot of morality out there, You know, follow what he says. These are good things. There's other people that have the perspective that he was just a dynamic leader. He had the ability to to rally people. Obviously, he led a movement that's still in existence 2,000 years later. He must be a good leader in some way. And other people would just say, I don't know about anything else, but he's just a really good storyteller. (laughs) Any of you know a really good storyteller in your life? You just got somebody who just tell great stories. Uh, Amber's um, cousin, Oh, we, she, had a, she had a cousin that, that passed away, unfortunately, a few years ago. But he was an amazing storyteller. Like, he was one of those people, like, when he would tell a story, he would just grab your soul. He grabbed your heart. It was just, like, so good. And that's, I think, how Jesus was. Like, he told these stories that could just grab people and communicate truth and, and meet people right where they are. That's true, but, but that's what everybody else is talking about, Jesus. And here's the deal what other people say about Jesus doesn't actually matter. Because at the end of the day, you're not accountable for what anybody else says about Jesus. You're only accountable for what you say. And so Jesus, or yeah, he pivots this question here in a moment. And he says this, who do you say I am? Who do you say I am? At the end of the day, the question is, what are you going to do with Jesus? What are you going to do with Jesus? It's probably the most important question that every single one of us has to answer. I would say definitively it is the most important question we ever have to answer. Because it doesn't matter what your spouse says. It doesn't matter what your husband says, what your wife says. It doesn't matter what your mom says, what your dad says, what your grandma says, what your kids say, what anybody else says. What mattered is who do you say Jesus is. You have to answer it. And, And scripture says one day every single one of us, every one of us will give an account. And we're going to give an account, what did we do with Jesus? How did we respond to him? Now, sometimes I'll have a conversation with people as they're wrestling faith. Around here, we we talk about embracing the struggle. We love to embrace the struggle. We love to wrestle the hard things, to have the hard conversations. I love doing that. And so I'll have conversations with people who are wrestling faith. They're not sure what they believe, right? They've got different perspectives about who God is. And they're like, I'm not sure where I stand on certain things, and that's great. And I give them space, and I have those conversations. But usually the conversation gets to the point at the end where I just say, okay, well, I get all that. But at the end of the day, what are you going to do with Jesus? Like, who do you say he is? Because many people believe in God, right? Lots of people believe in God. Lots of people believe in a higher power or even believe in a spiritual element to this world. We have that thought. There's a spiritual element out there. And I think for a lot of us, we hope that it doesn't really matter which spiritual element you pick. You can pick any one of the spiritual because they'll ultimately all lead us to God in some way. I think a lot of us hope that. And even Christians I know who believe, yeah, yeah, I know, I know what the Bible says, but I'm not so sure. I think, I think it's as long as you're trying to be a good person and, and you're, you're seeking after God, that's all that really matters. I think we'd all love to be able to say that. The problem is that Jesus doesn't give us that option. He doesn't. Jesus says the things that aren't politically correct. There's a verse that I think is, is powerful for every one of us, and I'm sure most of you have heard this before, John 14:6. John 14:6. Again, this is the kind of thing that if Jesus posted this, he'd be kicked off to social media for this one, okay? <laughs> it says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. So this is why it matters, what are we going to do with Jesus? Because you're saying, hey, if you want to know God, if you want to have a relationship with him, oh, it doesn't really matter. Just find your own path. No, no. Jesus would say, you don't get that choice. It's either me or nothing. Because a lot of people will say, well, all roads lead to God. Okay, but they'll lump Jesus into that. Well, Jesus already said that that's not an option. You follow me or follow something else. You don't get both. And he says, I'm the only one that leads to the Father. Okay? So what we do with Jesus really matters. How do we respond to him? That really matters. What are you going to do with Jesus? See, Peter responds... In verse number 29, he says, you are the Messiah. In fact, in the book of Matthew, it says, you are the Messiah, the son of the living God. This is the proclamation that, that he makes about who this Jesus is. This is the first time in scripture there's just absolute clarity of Jesus. He says, yes, that is, that is who I am, right? And, and what I love here is that that every single one of us has to come to this same position. And my prayer for every person, my prayer for every young person, every high schooler, every student that we have here, my prayer for every older person in the room, right? All the, all the, the people who are not middle-aged like me, I pray for those people. You weren't here last week. Okay. <laughs> Sorry. Anyways. Anyways. <laughs> My prayer for every single person is that we would come to this revelation of who God is, that we would be reminded of who God is, that we would would have a, a response to him as our king. Not just as Jesus is just the nice guy out there. He is king of kings. He's Lord of lords. He is the one that I submit my life to. I surrender to. That's my prayer, is that every one of us would get to that, that every one of us would get to the same place where we recognize that, that he is the way, the truth, and the life, that there's no other way to the Father except through him, right? That we come to that moment. And there's some of you that maybe have never come to that moment. You've, as I've talked about, maybe you've had moments where you're like, ah, yeah. I think Jesus is a nice addition to my life. He's not a nice addition to your life, actually. He's not. He's either your life or he isn't. He's not a nice addition to your life. If he's a nice addition to your life, then he is not your king and your savior, and there's no hope for you, (laughs) okay? And so so this morning, there's some of you, you maybe need to take the step, say, God, I want to make you my king and my savior, not just a nice addition, but I want to make you my lord. I'm gonna give you a chance to do that in a moment, but I wanna close this morning with our big so what, and we're gonna sit here just for a few minutes um, because there's a question, there's a third question that I wanna bring us to, and it's our, it's our big so what, and it's a question that, that'll meddle with you if you really allow God to do that. It says, does my life reflect what I say I believe? Does my life reflect what I say I believe? If you just dance past this one, it'll do nothing for you. But if you actually sit with this one, it'll mess with you a little bit. Because you say you believe a lot of stuff. Does your life show that? You know, I don't want to be a hypocrite. I don't know about you, but I don't want to be a hypocrite. But if I'm totally honest, there's a lot of times where what I say I believe is not in alignment with how I live my life. And we say, Jesus, you are king. You are Lord. You get control. You're the one that I serve. I'm here for you. I submit my life to you. Great. Does my life actually prove that? Does the way I live prove that? There's good news when we submit our life to Christ. There's hope, there's life, there's joy. There's all this good stuff when we submit to Christ. But does our life prove that we are actually submitting to Christ? So I wanna take just a couple of minutes here and walk through a few different areas of your life. And my prayer is that the Holy Spirit would shine a light on maybe some areas in our life where maybe this has been the case. Well, we have said, Jesus, you are the one. You're the one, just like Peter, you're the one. And yet we don't always live that way. The first one is this, does my morality, does my morality, think about your morality. Does it reflect what you say you believe? We say, God, you're all. God, I want to follow you. I'm going to follow your word because you're the one in control, right? What does your morality look like? Things like your sexuality. You know, we talk about sexuality around here. What is, what is godly sexuality? It's one man, one woman in the context of marriage, right? Not in the context of liking each other, in the context of marriage, all right? So everything outside of that, according to scripture, is considered sexual immorality. So it's one thing to say, Jesus, your king, your Lord, I give you everything. Then let's talk about your sexuality. Is that in alignment? Have you submitted your sexuality to him? if not, Maybe you need to. I even think about things like our chemicals. A lot of times we've got people who are struggling with addictions. And that's one thing. And I pray that you continue to receive healing You come be a part of our recovery ministry. But there's plenty of us in here that would say, I don't have an addiction issue. But on the weekends, "Eh, I get drunk every once in a while. Yeah, I'm getting high every once in a while. You say, okay. Jesus, your Lord, your King, I submit my life to you. Yet scripture says, don't get drunk on wine. So are you? We don't want to be hypocrites. I don't want to say, Jesus, you're my Lord, but then I go off and do things the other way. So I want to just challenge you. Does your life reflect what you say you believe? How about your words and your attitude? Your words and your attitude, the way you speak. You say, Jesus, you're Lord. God, I want to, I want to just be filled with the fruit of your spirit, right? But I'm a jerk to everybody. <laughs> I'm a jerk to everyone. I'm a jerk to my spouse. I'm a jerk to my boss. I'm a jerk to the, whatever. And then it isn't just the words that come out of my mouth. It's these ones They're right here, you know? Online, just say the mean things. Ah, got them. Yeah. Okay. Like, seriously? Like, does our life reflect what we say we believe? How about our, our investments? What do I mean by that? Your investments, your time, your talent, and your treasure. Jesus, you are all. I submit to you. Everything in my life is for your glory. Does your time reflect that? The way you invest your time? Does the talents, the things that God has put in your hands, are you using them for yourself or are, they using you, are you using them to, to honor him? Your treasure, your finances, are you investing? God, God, your kingdom first, but I'm not giving a dime to kingdom builders because I, I got other stuff I got to deal with. Like that can be the attitude of our heart sometimes. Does, does this reflect what we say we believe? We go to another area. How about our forgiveness? The way we forgive other people. You say, God, I, I, I believe in you. I trust in you. You know what Jesus said? If you don't forgive somebody else, I can't forgive you. You say, yeah, but God, yeah, but you forgive me. You're, like, You're right. I will forgive you when you forgive the other people. Are you forgiving others who've hurt you? Some of us just hold on to that. We say we believe it. Do we live it? How about when it comes to our prayer life? Some of you are like, what's a prayer life? <laughs> They say, we, we want to spend time with God. We say, God, you are my source. You're the one that I turn to. You're the one that I lean to. I just don't ever spend any time with you. I don't ever seek you. And see, that can, that can be a result of one of two things. Either we don't really care about God or we think we're good enough on our own and we don't need him. In either instance, we've kind of missed it. Right? Does our life reflect what we say we believe? The last one is our Our mission. Our mission. We say, Jesus, you are my Lord. You're my King. You're the one that I'm serving. I'm here for you. Well, if that's the reality, guess what Jesus said? I've got a mission for you. Matthew chapter 28. What's he say? He says it this way. He says, therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Goes on, and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. See, it's not just you growing in your faith, that that's the end. No, the end is that you're growing in your faith to help other people grow in their faith, that you're leading other people. That's the mission of us. And so if that is not reflected in the way that we're living, then we need to ask, what's up, God? My life doesn't reflect what I say I believe. And so when we come to these moments, we're gonna have these moments, because like, like I'm saying, when I ask this question to myself, there's so many places in my life right now where I would say, no, my life does not reflect what I say I believe. So here's the deal. There's two options when we come to those moments. You have those same options. There's two options. This is how we can respond. One way we can respond, change what you believe. Just change what you believe. See, Jesus would have moments like this in, in faith where he would just draw a line in the sand. It was not really good for church growth. This is probably not good for church growth right now. I'm going to draw a line in the sand. If you don't actually want to live it, then stop faking it. I got to say the same thing to myself. If I don't, if I don't really want to live it, I shouldn't be faking it. right? I don't want to be a hypocrite. You don't want to be a hypocrite. So that's the, the easy, just change what you believe. Walk out the door, stop faking it, and just just go on. I don't think that's the right decision. That's a response you can have. But if you're not going to respond that way, then the only other logical response is in repentance, change how you live. In repentance, what is repentance? Repentance means to turn. It's to turn away from, to turn toward. We're going to turn away from that thing that God has spoken, and we're going to turn toward him. And a lot of us view repentance as like a moment, like, yes, I repented one one time like 15 years ago. But for a mature believer... Repentance is not a moment in time. It's an attitude and it's a lifestyle. It's a lifestyle that's saying, God, every time you bring it up, whatever it is, whenever you bring something into my life, I'm turning away from that and I'm turning toward you. I'm turning away from that and I'm turning toward you. And in fact, I would say this. A mature believer is one who doesn't wait for, for those moments. He's pursuing those moments, right? A, a mature believer is someone who comes before God on a daily basis and says, God, shine your light on me right now. I'm not going to wait till something gets screwy in my life. I'm, I'm going to ask you right now would you reveal the areas in my life where I'm off, right? So that I can turn from those things and turn back toward you. That's what a mature believer is. See, my boys, uh, they like playing basketball, and, and I try to coach them. Any of you ever try to help your kids do anything in life? <laughs> and they think they know everything. <laughs> Dad, I know what I'm doing. I'm not okay, sure you do, son drives me crazy, right? Eventually, they'll get to a place where they'll relent and they will listen to me, right? And they will respond to what I'm asking of them. I'm just trying to help you, bud. See, I think a lot of us can be like my stubborn kids. God's trying to speak to us. Like, we know that maybe we're going the wrong direction, but rather than having hearts that are responsive to them, we just dig our heels in. Ah, I'm just going to keep going, My prayer for us as as believers is that we would have hearts of humility. Rather than constantly trying to defend our rights and defend what we do, we'd say, God, here I am. I'm gonna lay it down. I don't even have to agree with what you say all the time because you might not always agree what God is asking you to do. The question is, are you willing to obey him? My kids don't always agree with me. The question is, are they willing to obey me? Are they willing to put their faith in me and to trust me, even if they don't understand it? If it doesn't make sense to them in the moment. My prayer for us as followers of Christ is that we would be those who say, God, okay, what's the area of my life where I need to be transformed, where I need to be changed? I'm gonna ask you to put up those six uh, words again, those six areas. Here's a challenge that I have for us as followers of Christ right now. I want you to pray. I want you to spend some time with God right now and ask him, is there an area here where this is not in alignment with what I say I believe? Is there somebody that I haven't forgiven? You know, when it comes to my time, my talent and treasures, am I really investing in the things that matter? My morality, maybe there is some issues of sexuality that got out of control in your life. What is that? I'm going to ask that the Holy Spirit just speaks to you for a moment. God, 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 would you do that right now? God, would you speak to our hearts? God, we don't wanna be those who make bold proclamations of who Jesus is, but then we carry on as if it's not true. We wanna be those who actually listen to you and and live out the truth. We wanna be those who are faithful to the truth. So God, would would you speak to us right now? Would you speak to us right now, Lord? We need you, Jesus. Thank you, God. I'm gonna invite you to stand with me across the room. We're gonna take a moment to respond. I've invited the worship team to, to just lead us in the song here. We're just gonna, just gonna take three or four minutes here. But I would challenge you to allow God to speak to your hearts. And if there's one of those areas that maybe he's, he's challenging you in, Maybe you need to have an altar moment right where you're at. Maybe you need to surrender something. You need to pray and say, God, would you you take this? Maybe you need to have a repentance moment right where you're at. My prayer is that we would actually respond to him, that we would offer him everything that we've got. Let's sing together. God, I pray that more than just declarations that we say and then live as we want to, God, I pray that there would be truth that is lived in our lives. God, I pray that every day we would declare that you are King and Lord of our lives because we live differently. Because we live submitted, we live surrendered to you, Jesus. God, I pray that the words of our mouth, the meditations of our heart would be pleasing to you, Lord. God, I pray that the way that we interact with others, the way that we interact with our resources, the way that we do all those things would be impacted because you are king. You're not just a king out there. You are our king. You are our Lord. You are our savior. And you have everything. We give it all to you, Jesus. God, would you be magnified in us? Would you be magnified through our lives, Lord Jesus? God, I pray for any person here this morning, any person who has never declared Jesus is Lord, they've never submitted their life to you, God, I pray that you would knock on their heart right now and they would be responsive to you, Jesus. God, may they respond to you. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. If you're here this morning in a and you want to respond to Christ, I want to give you a chance to do that. I'm not going to do that here while service is going. I'm going to stand right here when the service is over with. Every single one of us one day is going to stand before God and give an account. What did we do with Jesus? And if you're not sure what you've done with Jesus, and you say, I want to give him my life, I want to surrender to him, it's the best decision you will ever make, and I would love to lead you in that. So please come join me right here at this altar when service is over with. For everyone else, I would just challenge you as we walk out the door. God, could you you speak to us? Could you continue to lead us in ways where where we we don't just say stuff? I'll just say, I believe stuff. God, may I I live stuff? May I live the things? May I walk in obedience? That's what faithfulness looks like. As you head out the door this morning, our ushers are gonna be holding on to the buckets. And uh, I would just encourage you before you leave the door, take the step to fill this out. And uh, if you would, you can drop those in the bucket as you walk out the door. Um, and my prayer is that every, every one of us would take a step of faith in this area this next year, all right? Love you guys. I'm going to invite our prayer team forward. If you need prayer for anything, please come receive prayer today. Uh, our team's going to be here to minister with you, to minister to you. Otherwise, you guys have a great week. We love you. We'll see you back next week.